Hello everyone and welcome to Play the Ball podcast. Uh, my name is Neeraj and I'm joined by my friend Sai Prasad. In this episode, we'll be discussing on the big talking points from game week 10 of the Premier League, where we saw some really exciting results and very surprising results as well. And later on, we'll also be talking about the big results from match day five of the UEFA Champions League. The Champions League is shaping up to be a very you know it's leading up to a very exciting match day 6 where you know results can go anywhere so sai let me ask you one thing what do you think about the previous footballing week if you asking me arsenal lost it again so it was a shite week to be honest but other than that uh, i quite enjoyed some games like i enjoyed some champions league results and then uh, it was an interesting week in the premier league as well the tables turned in the top quite a bit so we are going to discuss more about that in this episode So let's get on with it. So the first game which we talk about is the big London derby. It was Chelsea taking on Spurs. This is a match we were really looking forward to because of the amount of talent in there were too high a uh, too high to not bring up that exciting factor for us. But it did not live up to the hype unfortunately for neutral fans at least. or i for even for some of their own fans to be honest and uh, it was kind of a disappointing match uh, seeing how much that was expected out of it so let me ask you sai uh, what do you think of the game i mean i was so bored watching that game like you know going into this uh, season you can probably say that these are the two sides which got most backing from their board in the transfer window they went on to fix every single position they wanted and uh, they have been back fabulously and lampard was given with lot of lot of talents in this side and uh, they have been proving that in the past couple of games and uh, you thought this game was going to live up to the hype as well because uh, you call them as potential title contenders which in my opinion is little too early to say but then uh, you thought this is going to live up to some hype and you know have some cracking results as well but then the game ended in a nil draw and even the xg suggests that this game is a nil draw because the xg say it's a 0.97 to 0.23 i guess and even when you look at the game i think both of them kind of played it safe uh, you know about mourinho you have seen his approaches in this big games quite a bit he knows that he doesn't want to take the game uh, or get on with it very early he just wants to wait for his chance and you know open up the game and bit and then you know converted and that's how we won the match the game as well he got at one chance where he completely converted it and then later it opened up and he got the other chance and killed the game and mourinho was kind of expecting the same this game as well but then those chances didn't fall through and i i guess he was okay with taking a nil nil draw and the thing i'm worried is that uh, lamp it looked like lampard was even okay with the nil nil draw which is quite wrong you know uh because you're playing in a home game against a side which can't potentially compete for a title with you who's going to be in the top spots and you should go for the win with the amount of talent you have in that too in a home game that's where it kind of disappointed me uh there wasn't any standout performances i would say except for the defense i think the defense played well for both the team other than that there wasn't any standout attacking performance what do you make of that neeraj you pretty much summed it up for me sai uh, there was nothing really worth talking about again and again uh, i should mention uh, rondon from uh, spurs 
he had a shaky game to be honest uh, but he did make some really vital tackles in the end so i would like to give a special shout out to him but otherwise uh, it's it's a drab game especially for the neutral to be honest you actually raised a very good point though when it comes to lampard uh, it this is this was something we know uh, i noticed uh, when chelsea played united as well um, at old trafford earlier this season i mean obviously the onus was on united to try get a result since they were at home but i always felt that i didn't have any problems with uh, lampard shutting shop uh, you know setting the team up for counter attack but even then they they didn't really counter attack a lot with the pace they had up front uh, with um, uh, werner and mount um, i believe and uh, chilwell to back up this i thought even the counter attacks could have been a lot better but they actually never went through with most of the counter attacks they actually decided to play it safe so it's something that's recurring in the premier league against the bigger teams obviously early this season they lost out to liverpool as well so that's something that lampard has to figure out especially in this game since it was a, it is a home game the onus was on him to try get a result uh, like you say against tottenham who potentially could be a title challenging squad and uh, it's funny because you uh, you talk about them not performing to the potential in the bigger games but in the champions league again uh, later on they went on to beat sevilla fonel so it's kind of slightly hard to figure out this chelsea squad when it comes to the bigger occasions and the bigger games but obviously like you said we are seeing that talent on show when they are facing the bottom tier clubs right so ultimately if you're if you're a title challenging squad your performances against the top 4 or top 6 is going to matter in the end right so you can safely say on an average most of the clubs will beat the lower half clubs apart from an upset here and there but um it's something for lampard to look forward to or you know to actually consider this or you know think about it because i think they already went through th- three of the so called top 6 uh, clubs already and coming to spurs um i think mourinho will be happy with the point uh you you mentioned clearly about uh, both the managers being backed and i think talent wise both the forward lines are in, exceptionally talented but in other in other areas chelsea are like uh, the chelsea have a better squad essentially that's what i'm trying to say the midfield is better the defense is better and uh, i think mourinho will be happy i mean obviously in the post conference he did tell that uh, the players are not happy with it uh, and so it's supposed to be a good sign but i think deep down he'll take it i don't know if he'll be happy or not but he would have definitely expected more but i think he'll take the one point stamford bridge has not exactly been the you know let's uh, a favorite place for most managers to come and play a, a play so all in all it was a drab game let's say oh, yeah like uh, you you talked about lampard's mindset right and i want to slightly talk about that as well because i think they played the big games let's say they played manchester united which ended in a nil uh, draw and they played spurs which ended in a nil draw and they played liverpool which ended in two nil in favor of liverpool i guess and i don't think they they didn't play arsenal or city yet and uh, this is a kind of mindset 
which Mourinho used to have in his old prime days, you know. Uh, but then, back then, there was only one or two championship, I mean, league contending sides. So, you can get away with parking the bus there or you can get away with, you know, the pragmatic approach and the safe approach in those two games. But then, now, there are a lot of sides who can upset you and there are a lot of sides which can swing the title favour. Uh, you know what I mean? So, that approach, I don't think it's going to work in the long run anymore. You, As you clearly mentioned, these are the kind of games you need to win to, you know, make that slight difference from the other competing side. And uh, this is clearly a mindset issue, if you're asking me. Uh, it's not like, if you ask me, the, both all the three games, the Chelsea side, which look completely different. Like, you take the example for Newcastle or Burnley. When they play against them, they look to be very expansive. They play very good football. They defend very well. And they get the results. They much, get the much of results. But then, they completely switch to an, another side, uh, when they face some big teams, which can cause them problems. And I can understand if it was early into the rebuild or if there is no much squad pieces for you to play that kind of football or, you know, sustain that kind of football in the long run. But then he was being bad. And I think the squad is almost completely full. I don't think there is anything that needs to be fixed anymore in this squad. And with that kind of a rebuild, you kind of expect them to, you know, sustain that kind of football and uh, I think Lampard is not doing that anymore. And uh, let's, I mean, we can say that it's a small sample size to judge early on, but then we see the signs, right? That's what I'm trying to say. And uh, this is not going to be good if they want to compete for the title run because they can't be pragmatic with, like, let's say, five years, eight or nine games a season. Essentially, that's what comes down to the title race as well. Yeah, I agree. It's like it's like we talked about. I think it's something for Lampard to look into. I think he will. There will be notice. But essentially, at the end of the day, he has the backing of Roman Abramovich. And as long as you bring trophies to his cabinet, I don't think he's going to complain too much. But yeah, that the whole concept of you know him being backed is the main thing here. Um, so let's see where Chelsea go from here. So, next up, we're going to be talking about Southampton versus United game, where United had a comeback win against Southampton where they won 3 2. It was an Edinson Cavani masterclass in Southampton. Uh, let's ask a United fan what he thinks about the game. Oh, man, this, I, you never know what to expect from this United squad. And uh, I, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, if you're talking about the game, I thought United actually started out pretty well. Um, I think the first 15 minutes, I thought it was United was having control of the ball. They were making the ball take. It was moving around. And then Southampton slowly grew into the game. And then obviously, like every time else, set-piece goal again, poor goal to concede. And uh, and yet another Wartrow's free kick that basically is impossible to stop. And against the run of play, actually, I would almost say that Southampton took the lead. And since the, after that, it was all Southampton. That the, the rest of the half, it was all completely Southampton uh, who, were, who were dominating the game. But um, not to say United did not have chances, but it's they didn't create the chances for themselves. Southampton did make two mistakes that should have been punished. Mason Green, Greenwood was put on goal and he... Does everything right. He rounds the keeper, everything, but he shoots wide. And 
knowing what he can what the 18 year old can do uh, i've so, sort of come to you know trust him more than anybody else in the squad right now to finish to put the ball in the back of the net and sh- surprisingly immersed and if you uh, closer to the end of the half um even uh, i think it was a makati mistake yeah makati made a mistake and gave it straight to greenwood who shot straight at the keeper and bruno should have finished that again it was almost an open goal and that was a magnificent save by uh, makati so united did have a couple of chances but it was they were nowhere near the best as always like they uh, again like every game they're always taking time to get into the groove they're allowing the other team to take in so we uh, at half time ole made a couple of changes he bought in uh, uh, he, he bought in kawani and uh, we did criticize ole for you know for the psg game we will talk about it uh, later in this episode but uh, where in that game his game management is shockingly poor in this he he made all the right calls he did bring in uh, kavani at the right time it definitely needed change there is obviously a need for a proper number 9 there and marcial was poor there is no getting around it and uh, and like you said it was a kavani masterclass this is why we bought him for a world class recognized number 9 and he basically t- changed the game um i think I, I, if i'm not wrong he had two goals and an assist an assist his hold up play was excellent he linked up well with everybody his work rate yeah i'm sure he scored a couple of goals especially who doesn't love a last minute winner right and it's been part of united culture for so long the 90 plus minutes of goals but more than the goals is the work he's willing to put he loses a ball he immediately rushes back to get back uh, to try track the defender back and even even if he is not and if there is a midfielder lacking he comes all the way from the striker's position at one point he was almost close to the left back area uh, left left back area to driving the ball ball back at 33 years of age that's incredible work rate and that is a work rate you expect from a true professional and very happy with his performance but it's slight it's good and bad that united you know are uh, are winning from behind they're going by and they're coming back from behind that shows great character and courage to come in but at the same time they shouldn't be doing that that we have very negligible number of clean sheets season um so that is something for him to uh, you know look into uh, fixing it actually and if i was looking at a start a uh, couple of days back this is the the number of times united has come back from win, losing positions to win the game it's the highest ever in the history i think close if the, if you look at the ratio it's close to around 1.88 this really reminds me of ferguson's last season where most of the time he was just coming back from behind uh, you know with th- that year was all about you know we are conceding but we are going to score more there is something similar happening which shouldn't be happening to be honest but it on the other hand i'm really happy about um, the spirit and the character they showed and talking about our catalyst again bruno fernandes he had a shockingly poor game to be honest he had a shockingly poor game but 
in the end he still contributed with a goal and assist and that's that's what that's what he's all about and is very similar to marcus rashford in that way like even if you have very poor games you can always have that one moment of brilliance or one moment of you know deciding factor that uh, contributes to a chance creation or a goal they the same with marcus as well he had a poor game too but his final the final goal that cavani scored was his assist that is a beautiful ball to find him so these kind these are the kind of individuals that's there in the team uh, people who are capable of you know uh, coming up with these moments of magic to change the game ideally it's not what personally i would prefer like i would obviously prefer a consistent performance but it's i'm kind of happy to know that there are quite a bit of match winners in our squad yeah like i think the one question which i want to ask you is that do you think united is right now too dependent on some individual to spark on that day and to push the team forward because whenever i watch them they don't look like a cohesive side which are on the same page until they get beaten down and you know they are like woken up let's say and there always seems to be this one person who uh, like pulls them together and you sparks the comeback uh, usually it used to be bruno fernandes and now it used to be cavani do you think this is something which is which can help you in the long run like let's say it's going to keep on continuing and do you think this is okay or do you think you really need to take hold of the game with the tactics from the game on because it i mean i'm not going to completely ignore by saying that ole is not having any tactics or something like that i'm just saying you only seem those tactics to work when there is a spark from an individual brilliance that's actually a very interesting question because um i agree i think we all know uh, know that we are it's like i said we are relying on that moments of magic and spark and right now it's bruno fernandes leading the way and uh, in the long run no this is not going to work out especially if there's going to be injury concerns uh, when a player like um, bruno who's almost playing every game now and marcus as well who even if he's having a poor game he is capable of producing that one moment of brilliance that can change a game which it's always good to have such players in the squad the match winners but there needs to be more cohesive you're, you're right there needs to be a proper game plan on how to play and for all united is lacking a dm but other in other departments of the midfield they're stacked so ole does have an option to you know mix things up and change things around and uh, that is something uh, he need, they need to figure out as a team is not just on ole they need to you know find a cohesion find that synchronous movement uh, tracking and all that and um, you're right this needs to be this this comes from the coaching ground this has to be done during the off the off games uh, you know on the training on the training grounds you keep practicing 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 and um only then no matter how much tactics you tell the players it's the player players eventually who has to execute them and there there definitely needs improvement i don't think anybody is denying that but in a way it's also good that because we don't always expect things to go our way every game so in games when we do be poor it's always great to have such match winners and leaders especially who can lift the spirit of the team uh you know to 
win games especially and for now the only consistent player i am seeing apart from bruno is friend he had another great game against southampton as well i thought he was excellent uh, so he is another one who is consistently showing you know uh, improvement and who is actually giving pogba a run in the money he is not able to get in the squad at the moment pogba it's that it's that competitive now in the midfield and with fred improving as well so that consistency is something they really need to work on for all their this thing for the issues they're still in a good position actually the game in hand there's just a couple of points away from the top four and i think close to four to five points away from the from the top position so if they can get that consistency right they are capable of you know pushing the leaders up they don't have a squad to win the title yet they're still a, a center back a dm and a striker and a right wing away right winger away from actually competing for one but they can actually give those chelsea's and the liverpool's and the cities and uh, tottenham also this season this season a run for the money and that consistency is something that the manager should uh, you know try to find yeah like as you mentioned the individual brilliance is good to get those odd results where you the things are not going in your favor and that seems to be working in for united they are not so far away from top with the game in hand and that's that's a good sign if you're asking me because everybody would say united had a poor uh, start of the season performance wise but the results say otherwise and i think united fans are going to take that uh, let's see how this is going to sustain in the long run because that's where the problem is and uh, now let's move on to the other quick talking points and arsenal lost to wolves 2-1 at the emirates this is third or fourth loss in a row for arsenal at home uh, that's a problem and we talked more about arsenal in the previous episode so you can please tune into it and as for i'll quickly address the people who talk arteta out or something like that very soon it's it's quite shocking that people think when you win one trophy or when you know one one two, two cups uh, it completely changes the perspective that this team is so good enough to win a trophy that they're going to be so good enough to compete in the top four but it's not the case cup games are totally different from the league games and this squad which arteta took over was an absolute mess probably the messiest squad with a lot of ego issues and a lot of problems on the broad level and everything like that was going on in the club and he has to this is not a small process and it's going to take even longer than you expected to and uh, it's going to be painful to see other teams who are in a much ahead of us in the rebuilding phase giving getting succeeding results and getting good spots uh, but uh, this is what we signed up for we need to cut it or and just want to say that give the man some time and you know let the man do his job and slowly the results are going to come it's not like there's completely zero progress or there's nothing in the side to you know be optimistic about so just give him some time to you know undo the changes and get the players and story that things are going to come on to a favor mm, yeah we'll see we did talk about like you mentioned we did talk a lot about arteta last uh, episode as well and uh, i'm pretty sure we will come uh, come across this topic uh, again and again in the future as well so besides that um, so the biggest talking point from arsenal was the wolves was the horrific uh, clash between da- david luiz and raul raul jimenez so for listeners who, are, who haven't been following or missed the match 
there was a horrible clash of heads between uh, David Luiz and uh, Raul Jimenez, which actually ended up in um, Raul Jimenez ending up in the hospital for fractured skull. Thankfully, he's doing okay now. He's in his recovery phase, but it, it'll be a while before we see him again. So that's that's good. But again, coming back to the clash side, the biggest talking point was two. Two. I like to raise two points here. Actually, David Luiz was passed up, and he was allowed to continue to play. I find that incredibly disturbing. The second point being, so once Jimenez went, uh, he, uh, Nuno brought in a substitute. Should in case of head injuries like these, like horrific injuries, should the teams be allowed a free substitution? Because this is not in the control of the manager or something like that. There's no tie. Like this is genuine. Uh, I know when you bring that up, you can actually, you know, extend it to other cases of injuries as well. But for now, let's stick to head injuries. In that case, should a free substitution be allowed for such teams? Yeah, if you're asking me, I think it's totally needs to be addressed because uh, first, let's take the David Lewis example, right? You as a fan or you as a commentator know that this is not right. The player is not 100% in a set to, you know, go and compete in the game. And uh, I wouldn't completely blame the two goals on David Lewis's side. But then you, when defending, you knew that David Lewis was not completely into the game because he could have made the tackle and he could have done something for the goal. And uh, I'm not blaming him at all. That's just, when you go and get a seraphic head injury, you know that that's going to happen, right? And the first thing which I think needs to be addressed is the protocols because you as a fans know that there is something not right, but then the protocols say it's right and uh, the doctors clear him out for not having concussion and that's happening. And... Uh, I don't think that's uh, the right protocol if you're asking me. They needs to, it needs to be changed. And as of the concussion substitute, uh, it's being happening in other games. And I think it needs to be addressed in this game as well. Because this is not like any other injury, right? It's like a matter of life or death. And a head injury is something so tragic that it can completely ruin your career. I mean, God forbid. But then I'm... You know the intensity I'm talking about. This is talk about life and death. And uh, there needs to be some kind of a concussion substitute rule where the managers need to be allowed where a neutral authority or a neutral doctor needs to clear him for concussion and then allow uh, the substitute to happen. Because this can... It's, uh, we never knew this could be this worse early in the round until it happened. And we never know how bad it can be until the worst thing happens. So... Before the, it goes to even worse stages, we need to, you know, try to figure it out and, you know, take necessary steps for the safety of the players because they are putting their bodies on the line to uh, play the game. They are uh, they are really important persons because uh, it's their safety, their life, and we need to take some care of it as well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, in this case, it just reminds me of that example a couple of years ago when Ryan Mason of Tottenham had a similar injury. And uh, uh, unfortunately, he had to retire. He was okay, thankfully, but he had to retire from the game. And that's just heartbreaking. So these are really serious um, cases that really needs to be looked at. And uh, yeah, thankfully, both the players are safe. They're okay. They're making their recoveries. I think David Lewis is doing much better. I think from what Wolves released his statement telling that, you know, Himmler is all right. He's doing okay. He's going to recover. But... 
it's going to be a while uh, after this, um, you know to see Kimenez back on the pitch again if he is lucky enough if he is lucky enough to play again that is so protocols to look uh, look uh, look at again rules to look at again and uh, this needs to be taken up seriously and moving on to the other game uh, it was champions liverpool taking on brighton um lot of controversies i mean uh there was actually a fascinating post match interview with uh, between klopp and uh, uh the re- reporter uh, are talking about the e- fixture schedule and all that and klopp's losing it uh, there's no other way to saying and he is losing it he is losing his calm over the injuries uh, over the injury he is facing uh to to um, injuries coming to liverpool face yet another you know said back with milner also out um milner is also i think he has a hamstring so we'll probably be a couple of weeks after before he comes back so i mean say coming to liverpool that's all that's been talked about they are getting results here but klopp keep along with other managers keeps insisting on this fixture schedule and um, what do you think about it? and he's also been insisting about five substitution rules as well so what do you what do you think what, what do you think about this i think now people will be you know saying that klopp is too salty or something like that but then when you be going to december into this crunch phases we are going to realize that he's actually right uh, just imagine right liverpool with this congested fixture is getting so many injuries just imagine what december can do to their squad uh, so that's how worse is going to be and it's right for him to say that we need five substitution rules because it's being allowed in other uh, tiers in england and uh, as of the uh, injury con- crisis of liverpool milner was the only one who they can fix into every single injury portion and you know get some minutes good minutes out of him but now that he is itself is injured it's going to be slightly tricky for klopp to do whatever he wants to do and uh, yeah like i i i think klopp raised really good points and he look like a hypocrite now but then after december when the congestion fixtures get so over they're going to realize that he was absolutely right you're right actually and it's not just klopp right so the we all know about the heavy fixture schedule of uh, the congested fixture schedule of english football we can go back 20 25 years to even you know uh, listen to uh, sir alex and arsen wenger talking about the fixture schedule again he has been comp- they have been complaining it for years now and uh, you are right clubs actually actually right it's very uh, you know congested schedule it's money driven obviously and uh, but there is uh, keeping this as this is also right but there is one point that gary never had raised in uh, sky sports the other day it's so uh, a couple of years ago he made this remark that um, the way club was using his squad his 18 or 21 man squad it was unlikely he'll win both champions league and premier league he's going to win one of them but uh, not both and klopp proved him wrong he proved all of us wrong he won the champions league and the premier league but now it's starting to seem like his squad is slightly burning out um, those injuries the fixture schedule factor is a big factor in that but also the fact that these players have been playing continuously non stop for the last 2 3 years same squad over and over i think he only rotated it for carabao cup or something very play the kids but otherwise they've been playing so much 
this starting to seem like you know the it's burning out or something like that and um, uh, so that's that's yeah, really like good. you know that uh, i wouldn't completely agree to gary novel's point because i, I do understand that why, from where he comes from because he clearly says that you can understand that club system is quite exhausting for a footballer to you know play and sustain for that long time with that heavy workload but then if you look at klopp's squad they are kind of refreshing it in every single position right they got jota who is a new face they got keita who was not playing for a long time they got thiago and they they keep refreshing their squad and they are kind of you know they do understand that this is not going to sustain for a long time and they do know that they have a plan for a rebuild and the kind of players they are targeting the kind of things they are doing and the way klopp contract is also being set up i do think that they know uh they're not going to win three or four titles in a row they know that they need to take that one off year and you know refresh the squad to come back it again and uh, this season i would mainly attribute to the unfortunate injuries and okay you do you can say that it might be possible because of workload but then we are not doctors you know if it is based on workload or if it's something else because uh, uh gomez got an unfortunate injury in england's training camp and uh, Virgil van Dijk got his horrific injury because of a nasty tackle uh, i mean even uh, thiago got his injury because of a nasty tackle and this i i do see where gary neville is coming from you know that's that's a good point but i think liverpool are going to sustain in the long term the way they refresh their squad every now and then but uh, in my opinion if you ask me i think liverpool's plan was to win two titles in a row take a year off refresh squad and come back and win two titles and then be done with club because he wants to leave so that's what their plan was and this is supposed to be their third second i mean the back back to back titles but then they were struck with unfortunate injuries but even then they seem to be pulling some good performances here and there but brighton was necessarily not one Yeah, I mean, it's same like the uh, injury issues. This uh, fixture schedule is something they need to look at as well. But knowing the FA, uh, I do. I don't think they're going to look at it. What possibly they could do is reintroduce a five substitution rule. That is always that could be an alternative if they are not willing to, you know, um, take away the or reschedule the entire thing. Obviously, you can't reschedule it anymore. or five substitution is something they can possibly look at so initially at the beginning of the season i i, I was also in favor of uh, you know uh, three substitutions only but i didn't realize how hectic the schedule was but after seeing that i think it makes all the more sense to you know and it is a five substitution rule i know the he took a dig at chris wilder and other managers who have not been in favor of the five substitution five substitution claiming that the bigger clubs have more uh, you know strength in the bench but in the bigger picture it it's beneficial for all players of all the clubs right so that's something they could do it possibly in january when they revisit it again they'll probably look into it okay now that we talked about some good interesting coming points in the premier league let's move on to the champions league and i'd mainly want to cover two games in this uh, week and the first one let's start with manchester united versus psg and after the first two game weeks of champions league you kind of uh, knew that united were going to qualify for the knockouts and 
it looked like a straightforward group but then the istanbul game completely changed the way the group narrative is went and now that psg has won in old trafford it puts united in a tough spot to qualify for the champions league knockouts and let's ask neeraj what he felt about the game the game was actually uh, you know you, it it is kind of hard to say which way it was because that was united's game that was united's game to lose actually i have no idea how they lost from there and if you if you want to look you know take a general overview of the game psg started really well i mean united could the defense could not handle neymar and mbappe from either side and verratti was have seen so much of the ball as within the first couple of minutes i could see that verratti was the influence in the game so much that they need to change some only needs to change something he needs to he needed to tell bruno to drop deep a bit and or push ahead a bit depending on where verratti was there and try to press him hard verratti was seeing so much of the ball and he was able to influence the game directly so psg deservedly took the lead initially and slowly united did grow back in the game they were getting there were still no clear cut chances but they were um, entering more and more into psg's uh, defensive territories and finally marcus rashford scored again and uh, he seemed to be loving all the games he's playing against psg because as his third goal in three matches against the french champions and um, the second half uh, i mean before going to the second half let's talk fred here i mean fred was unusually unusually reckless he was rash he should have been sent off for that uh, almost naive and stupid reactionary shove or headbutt let's say uh, against paradise i have no idea how he still on the he was still on the pitch with a yellow card but from there on he he was always this close to getting a red so i did think i think most of us did think that he would be substituted in the second half you know there was van der beek there was pogba there was matic in the bench uh, you who could provide multiple options but ole stuck decided to stick with fred and it cost him eventually uh, in the 70th minute when fred got sent off this time for a fair challenge um i suppose the referee saw the uh, first half highlights again or his that review again and he must have realized he made a mistake and uh, he tried to make up for it for this yellow card because this is a fair challenge i have no idea how this is even a yellow let a second yellow let alone a second yellow so besides that but until he got sent off united were actually controlling um, the match um uh, marcial with a horrible miss that he should have missed that he, sorry he should have scored that um uh, great work from rashford great work from cavani an open goal shot over the bar i mean he he's someone who's low in confidence right now and that goal would have put him up and horribly messed it up and just a couple of minutes later cavani got a beautiful chance to score and take nothing away from him that was a beautiful chipped attempt to you know kelanavas had come uh, come up to him and uh, the goal was empty and that was great attempt which was very unlucky to you know uh, hit the crossbar and there again marcel should have done a lot better to take the rebound and score and he hit straight at the defender there was two ch- golden chances for united to put the game to bed so that they can go to germany without much pressure but and the moment we missed the chance i knew that we are going to pay for that and we did pay for that and especially after fred left there's not much united could do they did try pushing players up but 
it didn't work in the end and finally neymar scored another uh, to put the game to bed so uh, it's irritating for a united fan to watch that because that game it would have been more understandable if we have been dominated we could all obviously pinpoint this that and all that but a game where we should have won where we were we had good chances to finish the game off and we been a good position and to lose from there is is just irritating that's in a nutshell that's all i can say is irritating now the group is wide open exciting for neutrals obviously is going to be an exciting match day 6 where a lot depends because psg leipzig and psg leipzig and united are in similar positions right now um so united need a result from germany they need to get a point or they have to win um psg like are likely to win against istanbul uh, but you never know istanbul has pro- proved to be an exciting opponent unexpectedly an exciting com- uh, opponent and they almost managed to get a point against leipzig as well i think that it was an exciting match which ended up with leipzig winning 4-3 at the last minute so very open wide would be all predicted this would be a group of death and it's living up to it yeah and as for the tactic point of view i think ole went with the same kind of a mindset you know protect the center backs and protect the defense with two holding midfielders and you know hit them on the break or uh, complete the chances they had and i think they were able to do that in paris uh, but uh, now they didn't they couldn't do it because had you finished that cavani or marshall or either of the one chance the game would have ended 2-1 which is a similar result to what happened in paris but then once you missed it and once you try to push for the equalizer like what psg did in that last game and you got the winner psg did the same thing and they got the win- winner right again and as you said it's clearly living up to the hype and let's see what's going to happen in the next week because i'm really excited to watch the game and see what's going to happen in that uh next thing we're going to briefly talk about is uh, madrid's horrendous form in both champions league and in uh la liga and uh, do you see the game or do you think what do you think of that neil oh madrid it's yeah, it's with madrid this season it's one step forward one step backward they are every time they're going to get a positive result they're immediately getting a negative result as well a loss or a draw at in games where they should be winning to be honest and to be fair last season madrid were the same actually benzema was in top form and ramos was great as well so i think and zidane went a bit defensive last season for the la liga title this time um, it's not happening benzema is not firing uh, ramos has been injured and on and off the team and uh, it's showing them and uh, madrid did have chances as since hit the crossbar he, they madrid did you know four saves out of the goalkeeper but there was no cl- clinical aid. that this game called out for a cristiano basically or a proper striker um, you know that uh, somebody who could finish off the chances they were creating and shakta got the chances they scored it was a brilliant both the goals were really good by the way I, first off the defense just went to sleep baran just went to sleep i don't know what happened there to be honest i don't know what he was doing there but the first go- first goal were they both the center backs actually they just went to sleep and good finish and sec and as madrid pushed for the equalizer they got on a break and solomon scored the second goal as well solomon's 
is probably the, one of the best finds of this UCL tournaments. I thought I, I I thought he is having a great tournament so far, and it's like it's I think I think I believe I think Shakhtar has won two games this season in the Champions League. Both have come against Madrid, and that's that's incredible. And uh, lots of concerns for Zidane. To be honest, lots of concerns to be and. It does not help when you have injury concerns. Zid Hazard is not, you know, is never seen to be fit these days. Comes back and again becomes injured. I don't know what's happening there. Um, lot of concerns for Zidane side. Yeah, and it's funny that we say they are in trouble after the Champions League game. They went out to get a good result against Sevilla. Uh, it's been a season for Real Madrid, if you ask me. It's been a roller coaster season, ups and downs, and everything like that. And uh, that's what exactly happened once again. And they are in a spot where they could uh, come down to Europa League, and that's going to massively affect the club's legacy because they were known to be the perennial contenders of the Champions League. And you know, the these Champions League team and uh, to play in the Europa League is going to hurt them in the legacy bad. And uh, I don't know. In, even in the league as well, they are in a, in a turbulent form, and they, they they don't seem to find the consistency. And even Barcelona struggling there. La Liga finally seems to be an interesting race with Real Sociedad and Atletico Madrid there. Uh, let's see where Real Madrid goes from here, because to lose in the group where there is Gladbach and Inter and Shakhtar, it's gonna hurt Real Madrid because. I wouldn't particularly say it's a group of death, but then there is a dark horse in terms of Gladbach. And if they, if Madrid, I thought when going into the season, if they're going to lose any points in this game, it's going to come up any, or any shocking surprises, it's going to come against Gladbach. Uh, I didn't think it's going to come up against uh, Shakhtar. And that Gladbach game is also going to be interesting because the last time they faced Gladbach were clearly the better side. And... Real Madrid's over-dependence on their older players to, you know, bail them out every single time. Uh, what was the one which salvaged a point out of the game? Because they are so poor and, as you mentioned, they they need someone over there in up top to, you know, be clinical. Benzema can only do so much and Ramos can only inspire so much and it's going to be a tricky thing to watch. And Let's see where it goes because uh, these two are going to be the main talking ones of the next, next episode as well because this can pretty much determine what the de- groups are going to be and uh, who's going to drop down to Europa League as well. So, I think uh, we have come to the end of this episode. Uh, it really promises to be an exciting week of, week of Champions League football to look forward to actually in the coming week where we will learn who progresses to the next round. Um, we have a couple of group groups that are very tight, uh, especially the groups which you talked about, the United PSG Leipzig group and um, Madrid Shakhtar uh, Gladbach. With, and Inter Milan as well. And uh, we also have the North London derby to look forward to. So next week, we'll see what sort of a mood Sai will be in to talk about the game. Um, so uh, that's it, guys. We'll see, you next, we'll see you next week. Have a good week ahead and stay safe.